Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. Joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. How's it going? Doing all right. And we have Christian Ernst. What is going on, y'all? Doing all right. Apologies to you, the listeners, for uh, an unexpected week off. You know, just life got in the way with us. So, And, you know, it's kind of a dead season with, um, you know, football's not really going on, so we don't have the weekly urge to put an episode out. Okay, we will try to come out weekly or every other week um, going forward. Maybe if we take a week off unexpectedly, just, you know, bear with us for that. Um, but in the meantime, let's just dive right into some sports and NFL news and notes. Uh, yesterday, I believe, the news broke. The Washington Commanders are just straight up releasing Carson Wentz. No, he's not going to get traded. And again, I don't know at this point who would trade for him. He's a seventh round pick and you're taking on 20 something million against the cap or you would have, uh, before he was released. Um, again, just the last few years for Carson Wentz, it's been dreadful. You know, he was, you know, in Philly, obviously a lot of us know the story by now. If you follow sports, follow the NFL specifically, you know, Carson Wentz, you know, was MVP front runner, tears his ACL against the Rams. And then, you know, Nick Foles takes over. Nick Foles goes and wins a Super Bowl there. Uh, they go back to Carson Wentz. I mean, he's not the same. He's had a couple of down years, gets traded to Indianapolis after being benched, has a really awful end to the season in Indianapolis, gets traded away to the Commanders. And, you know, frankly, it was just a rough year for the Commanders. And, you know, started seven games, goes two and five, uh, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions through the air. Yeah, just yeah, he's been trending downwards um, for a while. He, 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 had, he started all 17 games with the Colts, but, I mean, injuries have been an issue with him. Also, frankly, not good. He's a backup, I think, at this point. He's 30 years old. And I, I sent you guys a picture I saw on the internet, and I kind of joked about it a bit, but also a, a bit – serious too is that Carson Wentz he signs that extension back in 19 in 2020 he leads the league in interceptions with the Philly with the Eagles excuse me gets benched for Jalen Hurts we know Hurts led him to Super Bowl this past year trade to Indy then he's trade to Washington like I just said now he's released and I called him the Russell Westbrook of the NFL because if you if you're familiar with the NBA Russell Westbrook signs a massive extension with the Oklahoma City Thunders. He's been traded every single year since that contract gets bought out this year. Now he's with the Clippers. And that's how I see Carson Wentz now. It's like, he was definitely worth the money when they extended him. Because he was played at an elite. Elite, I struggle to say that, but he was playing at a high level to where you can justify giving this guy this contract. And it just hasn't worked out, unfortunately, for the Eagles. Uh, it didn't work out for Indy. It didn't work out for Washington. And again, what's next for Carson Wentz? We'll see when the league year starts in two weeks. Um, I think he'll, he'll find a spot, but there's obviously a bunch more dominoes to fall regarding starting quarterbacks. And I think Wentz, he could he could compete for a starting job, uh, but I think uh, he's got to sell for a backup spot. You're not, unless you go in like a situation kind of like Pittsburgh did last year, where you bring in Mitch Trubisky and draft a guy. And you can start Mitch uh, for a few weeks, maybe a situation like that, uh, like Houston or somewhere. But I don't even know if that's what they want to do at this stage of their um, season. So 
On to Dalton, your thoughts, reaction when you saw Carson Wentz released by the Washington Commanders. Um, my first reaction was like, I'm not really shocked. Like, this is just sort of like he played seven games and the dude went two and five. So it's not like he was lighting it up. Um, it just didn't feel right. You know, it was like, why is this guy playing on the team? Um, Washington. I'm sure if you talk to Washington football or Washington Commanders fans, they're they prefer they probably prefer Taylor Heineke anyway. Um, ah, I mean, I I I mean, like for me as like a Rams fan, I think I'm kind of happy that we took Jared Goff instead of Carson Wentz. But for right now, like talking about Carson, like he's not. I mean, he's not a bad player. I mean, he's. He's above 500, like, career-wise as a rookie, or as, as a QB. Um, and so his, his stats aren't awful. But, you know, he hasn't been able, like you said, Spence, the Russell Westbrook of the, of the National Football League hasn't been able to stay with a team for more than a year. Um, now that he's a free agent, where is he going to go? Is he going to be able to play again? I think potentially he could go to Carolina, you saw that they hired, they hired Frank Reich, and, you know, apparently Frank loves Carson Wentz because he's been with him on two different teams. Um, so I think there's potential there. Um, now, if that happens, Carolina probably going to take an offensive lineman, probably. I could see them taking another wideout or uh, somebody on the defense if that happens. Um there's potential because let's think about it like this. You saying when he was in Philly that he was in the MVP conversation before he got hurt. Wright was on the staff. He goes to Indianapolis, has goes nine and eight, which albeit that was kind of a crappy division, but you know, we'll accept you going over five hundred. Uh and actually had a pretty good, you know, touchdown to interception sort of stats if you will only threw seven interceptions 27 touchdowns that year and barely missed the playoffs so if you're a carolina panthers fan do you want to take a risk on this guy i mean he's from north carolina so that i mean dude why don't you just put it in a paper i'll freaking write i'll call somebody to write out the contract tomorrow i mean it's just i feel like carson is going to get another chance i feel like he like deserves another chance um but recently, it just has not been good to him. You know that the you know the Colts haven't they still haven't gotten over Andrew Luck, um, still haven't gotten over that X, and Washington is Washington. You know they haven't won a Super Bowl or gotten anywhere near a Super Bowl since, if I'm not mistaken, Doug Williams as quarterback, um, and Joe Gibbs as head coach. And if anybody knows their history, that was over thirty years ago. So, I think given the circumstances right now and currently what's going on, I think he's probably going to get another shot. And he's only 30 years old. Tom Brady Tom Brady is kind of an anomaly, but he did play till he was 45. So, there is precedence of um, quarterbacks playing until they're almost 50, um, while others call it quits early. But... I think, you know, definitely that, you know, it's very, very um, not surprising that Washington released him. But I do think that Carson is going to get another shot at quarterback in the NFL.
All right. Christian, your thoughts, reaction with Carson Wentz being released yesterday? Uh, not a shock. Uh, I think you're on the money, Spence, with Russell Westbrook of the NFL. It's not that Carson is not talented. It's everything in Philadelphia in 2017 went right for him. And I think it just went right overall. The, you know, the coaches were there with Doug Peterson. The staff was there. The team was there. Everything was super functional. You know, the offensive line played really well. The defense was pretty good besides the role they, you know, out 50 from Tom Brady. But if Nick Foles could win a Super Bowl, and we saw his bad days with Indianapolis as well, Carson Wentz would easily win the Super Bowl. The team, everything was just, like, super, you know, right for them. The stars were all aligned for Philadelphia in 2017. Carson Wentz since then has not been the same. He has not athletically been the same. He has not carried an offense, you know, quote-unquote, because even if nobody is around him, he cannot make the team better. The offensive line has to be really good. He has to have a really good number one and a solid slot guy. He has to have a good running game. He's got to have a nice defense that, you know, is going to stop opposing offenses every once in a while. He can win a shootout here and there, but he's not going to be that consistently. He's not a top A quarterback. And that's just a very sad thing. He is going to get a shot with another team. Right now, Tampa Bay, Oakland, and – oh, I don't want to say Oakland. All the time. Las Vegas <laughs> – and Carolina are the top three odds for him to land. And Tampa Bay, yeah, I think they are going to need a veteran-type quarterback because, you know, they draft later on in the round. Unless they want to trade a lot of pieces and a lot of picks, they're not going to trade up to get a C.J. Stroud, a Will Levis, or even an Anthony Richardson, knowing how everybody's hype on him is ridiculous. They're probably going to be a nice landing spot for Carson. Carolina, like Dalton said, could be a very viable option. Las Vegas could be in the mix if the Aaron Rodgers stuff, the rumors if he does stay or goes to New York, well, what does Las Vegas do? They could go after Carson. They're not going to try and rehash with Derek Carr. So something's going to happen. We'll, we'll find out. But Carson is definitely going to get another spot, even though he doesn't deserve it. So I think he's just a good backup. And he's just not the guy anymore that's like, yep, he is going to make us win win our division and win uh, our possible conference. He's not, he's not that guy. Like, we've seen that. So, unless everything falls right in the place for Carson Wentz, he'll get another spot, but he won't do as good as people think. Yep. Another uh, former number two overall pick that was released – Yesterday as well, Marcus Mariota, who's now with who was with the Atlanta Falcons, started 13 games last year. There's supposed to be a curse with number two overall picks at quarterback, especially recently. You know, Zach Wilson a few years ago. Uh, then you know, the three straight years you had Mariota, Wentz, Trubisky, uh, RG3, who you know had some promise. I mean, I could just go on with these quarterbacks taking second overall that just you know hell. I'm not gonna say it bad career but less than impressive and definitely didn't live up to the hype for the second overall pick uh Mariota obviously won the Heisman at Oregon was a great quarterback there 
Uh, Tennessee, he was fine, but ends up getting benched for Ryan Tannehill. Um, then he goes to Vegas for a few years. Parties, I guess. Not really. I just said it because he's in Vegas. Uh, kind of uses a gadget player, not like actually playing a lot. Goes to Atlanta, gets the starting job there. But then late in the year, Arthur Smith decided benching him in favor of Desmond Ritter, the rookie um, from Cincinnati, just to try to see what they had with Ritter before making an evaluation this offseason and determining if they should draft a quarterback, sign a quarterback in free agency, et cetera. Um, I was a little bit surprised. I thought because he did sign a two-year deal, uh, I guess it's about $9 million it would be, have been for another year. I thought he would get the second year. Um, but obviously, you know, if it's going to be done, you got, I guess, better cut bait sooner rather than later. Uh, eat the eat the dead cap now if you can. And I I like Mariota. I liked him coming out of college. I thought he would be better than he has been. I think he, he's, again, for what he is, you know, a stopgap quarterback to have for about a year. Uh, you know, he's very mobile. That's what he's known for. Uh, at least he was back in, you know, his college days in Tennessee. Um where he goes next year, who knows? But Atlanta has become, if I mean, it was kind of obvious to everyone, I think now. Um, it's more so now. It's like, hey, quarterback Atlanta, they got a very wide opening there for anyone. And for Mariota, again, he's not that old either. He's only uh, 29. He's actually younger than Carson Wentz, uh, despite being in the league a year uh, more than Carson. So uh, he'll get a shot somewhere to compete for a starting position. And, again, I'm not saying he can't be a starter again. It just depends on the situation at hand. Um, but last year, again, wasn't, you know, the best year. 15 touchdowns, nine interceptions, only 2,200 yards uh, passing. And, you know, 5-8 as a starter, depending on how you view uh, QB win losses. That Atlanta wasn't very good either. Uh, again, I need to look back to see exactly how they lost, if it was all on him. Um, and obviously, Atlanta decided they wanted to cut ties there, and um, okay, we'll see what's next for Marcus Mariota in his interesting NFL career. Uh, to Dalton we go. Dalton, your thoughts when you saw Marcus Mariota released after just one year in Atlanta? Um, just a little bit surprised, if that's what we're doing with emotions right now. I feel like, you know, maybe they give him another year, but he didn't particularly play well um, in terms of you know, throwing the ball and I guess, well, do what you have. I, I'm, I'm not really that good of a football evaluator. Um, I think that's more of um, Christian's business, not really mine. But uh, from what I can see statistically, it was an okay season circumstances-wise. Um I feel like he's got another shot. I, I mean, obviously, as guys on this pod, we don't really, you know, hope for dudes' careers to end prematurely, unless you're a Tom Brady hater. But I think with this, he's still he's still able to play. I mean, we saw it. I personally saw it when he was playing the Rams, and obviously my team sucks. They did this year. But he did come back, and they almost won the game, and he was playing pretty well at that point. But that was earlier in the season, and things happened. But um, I could definitely see him playing for another team. He already played with the Raiders once. Who's not to say that they're going to inquire about him again? Um, 
you mentioned temp, uh, the Bucks earlier. I could totally see it. Totally see it. Um, warm weather gets to everybody. I don't care who you are. Warm weather is um, definitely a factor. Um, yeah, I, I definitely could see him playing on a different team next season. Now, as a starter or backup, I'm not sure. I can't tell the future, but if it's a, with a starting a starting role, you have to think that maybe the team feels like they have enough surrounded by him to where they can actually go make a run. Um, you got to remember that Marcus Mario has been to the playoffs twice. Um, and well, yes, actually, actually three times um, and only played in two games uh, both in 2017 when he lost, when he won one and lost one. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the team that he beat was the Kansas City Chiefs, led by Alex Smith, on that uh, that one that one pass he threw where he was deflected and then he caught it and for Brandon in for a touchdown. But um, he's definitely got experience. So any any team that's looking for an experienced quarterback, I feel like you can definitely get one in Marcus Mariota. All right, Christian, your thoughts, reaction to the news that Marcus Mariota has been released by Atlanta? This is more of a cat move, you know, $9 million for a quarterback who is okay. You know, he he did fine in Tennessee. He's just kind of another one of those players where it's like, yeah, we had high hope for him in Tennessee. It didn't really work out at all for him. Even though he's 34 and 40, you know, he has a fine record. It's not like it's terrible. He's just not the guy everyone thought he was going to be coming out of Oregon. So, for Atlanta, it's interesting because now the quarterback position is going to be very interesting. They have Desmond Ritter, who they drafted in the third round at Cincinnati. How well is he going to be? You know, we all knew he was going to be a developmental guy. Now it's ride or die time. Uh, the quarterback class for next year looks interesting. I don't think they're going to go after quarterback. They're going to give Desmond a shot. Um, you know, they're going to go after pass rusher and offensive line for Atlanta. So a quarterback is probably not going to be in the top three picks that they have. They're going to pick up, you know, a Tyree Wilson or even offensive lineman uh, like Skronsky or Paris Johnson, they're not going to go after uh, any of the top quarterbacks in my view and could possibly even trade down for a team that needs to go up for a quarterback or what have you. So for Atlanta, it seems like it's a good move. You know, get rid of some dead money that we're going to pay for a backup, for an okay backup. Instead, let's put that money towards a possible free agent who could really help us right away. So for Atlanta, it's really good. For Marcus, it's just kind of that role, same as Carson Wentz, like you mentioned. You know, I don't think he's going to get a shot. We know what he has. You know, he's never been a great quarterback with Tennessee. So he's just going to be that backup player. Uh, but, you know, for Marcus, good luck. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, backup is always a position needed quarterback just in case someone goes down. 
and I think he would hold the ship steady for a little bit, but he's just not the guy that a team is going to be like, yep, it'll take us into the future. So, Yep. On to – so we had it last week. We planned, if we had did an episode, a lot more coordinator hires. Frankly, there's just not very many um, – you know, notable ones, but the one big one we wanted to discuss at least was, you know, the one that we all kind of knew was going to happen, uh, and it's officially happened. Eric Bieniemy, you know, Kansas City Chiefs was with them for a while from 2013 to 2022 in various capacities, serving as the running back coach until 2018 uh, when he became the OC. He's now going to Washington, which, as we discussed uh, earlier in the episode. They cut Carson Wentz, so who the quarterback is going to be next year, it's a mystery. Cause I think Heineke is a free agent, so is the other guy that they had there. So they have, you know, a litter of guys they could choose from to be their quarterback. And, I mean, if I'm a quarterback, just look what the enemy did last year in Kansas City. I mean, last five years in Kansas City, just look at that. Like, Washington could lure a quarterback just because of who they hired to be their OC and also assistant head coach. So comes with a promotion in title because he is the assistant head coach t- job title and above in pay. I mean, for me, I think again for Washington, it's a great move. You got an elite coordinator that I mean, I you know all of our opinions. We can all continue to uh, elaborate on this. Believe he should be a head coach in this league, but uh, for me, I do have some reservations just because I don't trust Washington. Don't trust that front office. As long as Dan Snyder is the GM there, I or not GM, the owner, it's a horrible situation to be in. And I do like Ron Rivera, but he's been there for a few years, and he's on the hot seat. I mean, he's got to be on the hot seat next year. It's year four, and you again, you were 500 last year, eight and one, but you missed the playoffs. You were last in the division. Um, you were seven nine year one, and you made you won the division because of how bad it was that year. So yeah, it's I think it's make or break year for Ron Rivera. He's got Bienemy, a proven offensive coordinator, and you gotta go make some moves this year. Uh Jason Wright as the president and Martin Mayhew as the GM. You gotta go out and get some guys this offseason to give yourself a competent offense and not revolve again. We like Heineke. He's a fine quarterback, but he's not, you know a guy that you want to start all 17 games for your franchise and lead you to the promised land. So I think it's going to be, while I don't necessarily disagree that being, you know, probably need to get out of the Andy Reid shadow. I do think it's stupid. You know, Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson have gotten head coaching jobs while serving under Andy Reid. Um, it is what it is. I just think, unfortunately for, for enemy, it's going to be more of a detriment just because I just don't trust Washington to surround him with the necessary pieces, and in turn, it's going to hurt him. Even though we all know how great of a coordinator and how much of a how again he deserves a strong head coach, but I think it will unfortunately not work out just because I again more so on Washington than I do on Bienemy himself. Uh, Dolan, your thoughts on the Eric Bienemy to the Washington Commanders to become their assistant head coach and the officer coordinator? Um. This is this is dumb. Let me be honest. Like this is actually let's like, like come on. Let's just like cut the malarkey. Let's just like be honest here. Okay. Eric Bienemy 
should be head coach by now. I'm not trying to reiterate all the thoughts that you've had, Spence, because you and I on this subject are kind of the same, and Christian too. Like we all kind of think the same when it comes to we're gonna when it you know comes to this guy. But the Commanders really, it like it's a two year contract. Do you really trust? Do you really trust this ownership after two years to renew his contract? First off, do like do you trust him? Do you trust them to actually let this dude do what he needs to do? Probably not. It says that he's got full play calling duties. But, I mean, he was an offensive coordinator in Kansas City. Why the hell is he going to a team that's worse to be an offensive coordinator? You're not going up. You're you're not going up the chain, homie. You're not going up the chain. And I don't understand why it's so dang hard to give this dude a a pay grade. Get him up there. I don't know what I don't know what the big deal is. I can't seem to understand it. He's won two Super Bowls, two Super Bowls as a coordinator, an offensive coordinator. I, I it blows me away. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense, no sense. He should have been up the ladder by now. It's twenty twenty three. What, is it going to be 2027 before he gets his first head coaching job? I mean, seriously. This is bullcrap. This is. It's stupid. It is really stupid. I can understand from the aspect of him going to a different team to really do it by himself, I guess, and like seeing how he does there. But I think if you're a team in dire need of a, a guy who can coach, I mean, we're thinking about it, think about it like this. Like last year, we had a crap ton of teams who obviously you can tell the head coach is just, he's just in over his head, like in over it. Like he does not know what he's doing, period. He doesn't know. Like there's, he, he, he had one, one great year or a couple, wonder years and there's you know this guy gets head coaching job i think we know who we're talking about i'm not talking about eric Bieniemy because he's been there um for five years now or like he was with kansas city for five years now but or actually four 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 to five whatever regardless there are, you know, we see it every year where coaches, they get their first-time head coaches, and they don't know what the age they're doing. And this guy in, gets an opportunity to go be a coordinator somewhere else. I mean, it just I, – I don't get it. I don't get it. And it says also that he's their assistant head coach. So is there going to be like – is this going to be like a prelude to – um? him being the head coach of the commanders. I it could be. Um 
it could be something like that. Um, I, I, I mean, especially if you give him, if you give him that sort of title or multiple titles, actually. But I think that uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just there's the difference between Kansas City and Washington, and it starts it starts with the with the with the top, the people at the top. Um, and it trickles all the way down. Um, now, Spence, I will tell you this. They have good pieces. They have Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Johan Dotson. Um, they've got good players now. Uh, now, I think that what the enemy has right now there they could be good as long as they don't screw up the quarterback position uh i think they have potential um the nfc east is too stacked i think also though so you're kind of looking at it's kind of one of those like i guess we'll have to see how the free agency and the draft plays out but currently standing today it doesn't look too pretty for the team overall just because of the division that they're in the absolute gauntlet but that being said you know you kind of like to see him see Eric the enemy that is get a much larger much much larger opportunity um than being the OC at a franchise that you know they haven't you know they haven't been back in a long time and you know that's I I guess just I I was just confused there for a little bit I was like well that's I mean is this about is this about play calling or is this about getting up to the next level and um being another head coach in the uh, being a being a head coach in the NFL, uh, I guess we'll see how the two year contract works out. If they want to give them an extension or if they go their separate ways, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think I'm I think I'm I think I ran out of words. I hit my I hit my max word count. So um, oh, all good, I'm man. Done. Yeah. Uh, Christian, your thoughts, uh, reaction to the news last week. Eric Bainemi leaving the Kansas City Chiefs after the Super Bowl to become the Washington Commanders assistant head coach and officer coordinator. I think it's a good move, and I think it's a good move for Eric because we always see with coaches and coordinators sometimes like, oh, it's their offense, it's their defense, yada, yada. When with Kansas City, when we refer to it, it's Andy Reid's offense, and we credit Andy Reid changing the scheme when Mahomes get hurt and changing the scheme if Tyreek Hill got traded and changing the scheme like it's Andy is the one who's making the moves not really Eric right and yes when you're head coach you're going to get a lot of the credit or you're going to get a lot of the blame right and a lot of people gave Andy too much credit and since he was the main at times play caller Andy got a lot of the credit now, for Eric, yes, it's a bad position in terms of 
you're going away from Patrick Mahomes, who right now, are, you know, people want to argue, I think he is the top quarterback in the NFL. You're going to leave him out, a much better offensive line, really good tight end than Travis Kelsey, great weapons on offense, and you're going to Sam Howell, a rebuild of an offensive line, not even close to the same uh, weapons that Kansas City has, only Scary Terry. Terry McLaurin is the, really the only one in Washington that you can kind of build around as a weapon. But at the same time, you're leaving so much you know, on the play. Like their offense is not very good. So I think for Washington and for Eric, this is a chance. Can Eric really make his team, his offense, competitive? Now, in the NFC East, it's going to be a challenge. Philadelphia, they're not going to lose a ton. Now, yes, they're on a lot of rookie deals with Jalen and Devontae and a lot of those pieces. Dallas Goddard is not a very expensive tight end. Their offensive line, yes, it's older, but I think they're going to draft more O-line and running backs offensively when they draft. They're going to draft in those two areas. Uh, And defensively, they're really good. They're young and loaded up front. And their back end, tad bit older, but still fine. So, Philly is going to, you know, come back a little bit. Or they're going to stay where they're at. Dallas is very hit and miss. Kellen Moore is gone. And to me, he was the main piece for Dallas's offense being very successful. If Dak Prescott's not thrown to an opposite color. Like, I think Dak may be colorblind because he threw 14 interceptions and, you know, uh, what, seven less games than uh, the next guy. So, quite quite impressive, Dak Prescott throwing to the other team. So, Dallas may go down. New York is in that limbo stage where they need a lot to really make that next step. And Washington does need to really think about what happens at quarterback. Do we go for more weapons? Who are we really going to build our offense around? Eric has a lot of chances to make this team his. I do not think it's Washington's going to be wild card team as of right now or dark horse contender. Chase Young needs to get back on the field. They really need to question their secondary. They really need to have that conversation about is Sam Howell the quarterback? Do we give him a shot, or do we go after some kind of veteran? I don't think they're going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo. They're kind of in the mid-round. I don't think they're going to trade up to get a quarterback, especially if it's not a C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. You're really dealing with a mediocre project, you know, going Will Levis, A. uh, A. Rich, or even Hendon. So Washington – It's going to be a little bit messy, but I think Eric, if he succeeds, which is in the wild card race or even in the wild card, then everyone's like, okay, Eric should be in a head coaching conversation because he did really well in Kansas City. He did fine in Washington with him at the helm of a team. I think it could be magical. So for I know I'm disagreeing with Dalton because he didn't think it was a great move. I think it is for him. It's going to be sloppy. It's not the best conditions. You know, you're leaving leaving a five-star five hotel for a Holiday Inn. You're not really getting the best 
best of both worlds here. But the exact same time, I think for Eric and Washington, it's going to be a little bumpy, but I think it's going to be good in the end. All right, so there you have it. Um, again, we'll see how all that plays out next year for sure. This is, um, I mean, I believe this concludes all the coordinator hires. I just checked, like, apparently the Colts have an opening for OC. I don't know if we'll hire anyone, you know. They are Shane Steichen, so maybe he'll be the facto OC as well, uh, at least. With that, all right, next up we have uh, probably everyone's favorite segment, uh, the Combine starting later this week. Christian, throw to you. Last week you had the offensive players. Now you got the defensive players. So take it away, buddy. I am so excited. So we are recording Wednesday, March 1st. The actual Combine, the on-field skill activities test will actually start on Thursday. It's a little bit different than usual. Usually it goes offense, then defense. But the offense, they deserve that primetime spot. So we're actually going to begin with defensive line, then go to linebackers, defensive line linebackers, then go into the secondary, and then everybody's favorite quarterback, receiver, tight end. Then we're going to end with offensive line and running back. So let's begin the day with very interesting stuff. So what's going to go defensive line first, interior defensive line. Jalen Carter is my number one prospect. Now, you know, as people have heard, Jalen Carter has been going on with some little legal issues. An arrest warrant has been named out for him. Uh, he actually left the combine, so he wasn't going to participate in the actual drills. He was just going to go into the meetings with these people, with the team execs. Now he's actually leaving to go handle an issue in Athens back in early, back in mid-January, excuse me right after the national championship. They had some parties going on with the Georgia football players, and there was a wreck with a former Georgia player and a student assistant with the team. And they got into a wreck where it was later found out that the student assistant who was driving was uh, under the influence. She was over the legal amount of alcohol. And that's what people thought was cause of it. But after further investigation, there was an interesting point where Jalen Carter potentially wanted to race the car with the student assistant player, which got into the wreck. And then once Jalen was asked further details, he said he only heard it. He did not see it or was involved with it. So now... He does have an arrest warrant. He will come back to Athens, Georgia to deal with these consequences, quote-unquote. So it's definitely going to hurt Jalen where he gets drafted. He was easily a top-five pick, just talking football-wise himself. One of the best defensive linemen I've seen. LSU's offensive line, it's, it's fine. You know, it's a fine offensive line. They really had their easy game against Purdue in the bowl game. They really won the line of scrimmage against Alabama in their big win when he won 32-31. This is a no-joke offensive line. And in the SEC title game, biggest game of the year, double teams couldn't even phase Jalen. Couldn't even phase him. Jalen Carter, at times, like when they sacked Jaden Daniels, the quarterback for LSU, he just held it up with one arm because, like, it's too easy. Jalen Carter is that kind of prospect where he is the best prospect 
on the board, not named Bryce Young or Will Anderson. To me, besides a quarterback, he should be the second non-quarterback off the board. He really should be. Will Anderson is the only one I can compete against him. So Jalen Carter, he is going to fall off the board in terms of he's going to fall out of the top 10, maybe top 15, maybe even first round for some teams. It's going to be very hard for Jalen to be in that top five, and he's going to be a question mark. Can you trust Jalen to make these right decisions and not be in the moment and be reckless when he is out in public? But Jalen Carter, from a football talent standpoint, he is going to be my number one defensive player overall. The only one that can be in a conversation, like I mentioned earlier, is Will Anderson. Now, the next one is Brian Brace. This one's going to be a little question mark, right? So, a lot of people say he's more of a project, right? He's 6'5", 300 pounds, more interior, but he can play at the edge position sometimes. Now, people say he didn't play into his scheme right. The defense wasn't really built around him, but he still made an impact. He was still one of the better defensive linemen. In the class, seeing him firsthand, he is an absolute massive man. 6'5", 300, like I mentioned. He's a big dude, and he's a real he's a real nice prospect. You know, he's a little twitchy, which is really good for your defensive line. And he's younger, right? He's only 21 years old. He can be a little project for teams. So, late first round, maybe falls into day two. But he's still a really good player that a lot of teams could build around him for the future. Next one is a little interesting. Some have him really high. Some have him a lot lower. But I think he's pretty good. I think it's Sayaki Akia. And again, my bad for mispronouncing these names. He is from Baylor, 6'4", almost almost 360 pounds. Real good defensive tackle. Uh, Really the only right spot Baylor defensively. So I think he is still a nice guy. Um, You know, he's a good pass rusher. You know, not what you expect from a guy like him, but he's definitely going to be an effective guy in terms of third down. But the biggest question mark is, can he stay on the field for a long period of time, long drives, and really be, you know, that motor kind of guy? So another one is Kaji Kansi. He is six foot two eighty. Another guy from Pitt, very similar to Aaron Donald in terms of the hype. He was one of those prospects that just popped off the board. Uh, he was not a guy everyone thought, okay, that's a guy you want to build around. He really blew up this year. Really was a handful when Louisville played him earlier this year. Six foot two eighty. He is a real nice pass rusher for a defensive lineman, and he could definitely excel. Uh, with that, with a certain with with certain teams, the next one is Kanye Benton. He was one of these guys that a lot of people hyped up around. Kind of fell off the map a tad bit. Uh, he really was not the same. Uh, and for Wisconsin, you know, they had a bad year. They weren't really the exact same. So for Kanye, he's definitely kind of a you know a little question mark. He'll probably be a late day two. Uh, maybe even fall off a little bit more, maybe a day three guy, but six four three fifteen, he is 
you know, he's a little undersized guy, but he can still be uh, a massive upgrade for a lot of defensive lines, especially uh, with their depth. So defensive tackles to watch, Mozzie Smith uh, from Michigan, Jarjon Newton from Illinois, and Keandre Corbin out of Texas. So now we go to defensive line. So if you see defensive line and outside linebackers, they're a lot of the same. Uh, a lot of people think they have some more uh, zone coverage ability, so they could be an outside linebacker. People think they're just more of a pass rusher, so they're going to go with them. So that's what a lot of people are saying. Oh, he's more of a outside linebacker, but an edge rusher, outside linebacker, really the same difference. Like I said, my number one is Will Anderson Jr., 6'4", 243. He is elite. You know, he has, you know, great production when he was there. He has great tools, very twitchy, and he's really rangy. He can go into coverage and pass the rusher really good. So he is going to be a dominant guy and easily a top five draft pick under anybody's board. Next one, Tyree Wilson, 6'6", 275. He manhandles some guys. If you really watch him, he, he is going to blow your butt back. That is a guy who is going to be an impact day one playmaker, and he's a top 10, top 15 pick. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Atlanta could definitely use a guy like Tyree Wilson. Great edge rusher. He is rangy as hell. He's long as hell. He's only going to be 23 years old. He's a little bit older, but he is still going to get some production out of him, and he's going to be scary his first year in the NFL. My next guy is Miles Murphy. Now, Miles has not really been the same, a lot of people say. A lot of his production's kind of fallen off a little bit since his freshman year, but he's 6'5", 275. The talent is there. The production may not be, so he could be a little bit later round one, early round two. But he's still a very talented, uh, twitchy, like I always mentioned, just one of those guys that, you know, he's going to come up the ball real fast. So Miles is definitely one of those in-between guys. You may not want to have a first-round pick on him, but he's still a guy you can build around for the future. Another guy, not really buying into the hype. Uh, very, he's a weirder prospect to, in my opinion, but Luke Van Ness out of Iowa. A lot of people say he is one of the main reasons Iowa's defense is very good. I think on the other side of Jack Campbell, but we'll get to him in a little bit, but Luke Van Ness, 6'5", 270, young, he was only a sophomore, but a lot of people seem to like him, and these guys, you know, their jobs are to Watch these guys every day. Grade these guys every day. So I'm not going to say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They could. I just don't see Luke Van Ness being a top-edge pass rusher. My next one is BJ Urjari. Oh, Jewelry. I do not know how to, like I said, don't know if I announced these guys. But 6'3", 250. I think for him, he could be better interior. I, don't, I do not see him... Being that elite pass rusher, uh, I think he could have stayed another year in college, you know, to be that next, you know, uh, 
top prospect that a lot of guys are going to look after. But BJ decided to go into the NFL draft. So, you know, listed as a round two, maybe even round three kind of guy with his attitude. But he's definitely a third down guy. And uh, he's a little bit juicy in the locker room is what people define him as. So defensive ends to watch. Andre Carter. So, you know, people do not know. Army, Navy, and Air Force, these players typically do not go into the NFL draft. They have to go through a lot of uh, things to get into the NFL draft and be eligible for the draft and, you know, kind of delay their Army time for later. Because once you graduate, you go right into the service for several years. So for Andre being a potential first-round draft pick or even second-round draft pick, Army really had, a, you know, a gym in getting out Andre Carter. So, wish for the best for Andre, but we'll see how that goes. Other defensive ends to watch is Felix Anduke Uzuma from Kansas State and Zach Harrison from Ohio State. Again, one of those prospects where a lot of people thought first-round guy did not really shine as much as what people thought. Now he's a day-two kind of player, so... It'll be an interesting guy to watch tomorrow for uh, Ohio State. Now, these are interior linebackers. These are through-and-through linebackers who could, you know, who could pass rush a little bit, but they're not guys that are like, oh, yeah, we need him on the edge because he's that dynamic or quick or what have you. So, the number one prospect, it's really not a shock for a lot of people. It is going to be Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. He, a lot of people kind of want to give him a little bit lower of a grade. Uh, I think the ability is there. He's 6'3", 230. He's rangy. Um, a lot of people say his play rec is not very good, doesn't see the game well. But I think he's going to be one of those projects and a linebacker who, you know, he's not going to really man up your tight end or your George Kettle or your Travis Kelsey one-on-one. But it'll be a guy who I think is going to be ranging in the zone. So Drew Sanders is another guy. A lot of people like him, 6'3", 232. I think he's good. I do not think he is going to be that elite level linebacker a lot of people like. But he's definitely a guy who has experience. You know, he's a junior, 6'5", 232. And he has a lot of more upside than what people believe. But I think Drew Sanders could definitely be a potential first-round draft pick. Now, one of my favorites is Jack Campbell. He's 6'5", 246. He has the motor like nobody else. I think his leadership ability drove Iowa's defense to be much better. Everyone knows about Iowa's offense last year. Was not very good at all. Struggled to get points on the board. When early in the season, the most, like, famous offensive player was a punter, that's not very good at all. Jack Campbell, real leadership ability. Now, talent-wise, he could be that day two guy, but I think Jack Campbell is definitely going to be a hard hitter. And it's kind of like a Leighton Van Der Esch kind of player where he is just going to go full force and knock your teeth in. So another guy, like I mentioned, first round – uh, accolades his very first year and coming into this year. Oh yeah. He is the guy 
has fallen off the map. I still think he's pretty good, though. Henry Toe, Henry Toto, I'm, again, terrible pronouncing names, from Alabama, 6'2", A lot of people kind of question him because of his size, his mobility, his tackling ability isn't there yet. But Henry is definitely a guy that you can definitely project him because he's from Alabama. He's going to get a little bit more credit because, like, okay, they have five five-star prospects all around. He may not be just that guy, but he is going to be a day two, uh, third-round probably prospect. Another guy, I don't really see it, but Noah Sewell out of Oregon. Uh, he is the blitzer out of Oregon. You know, they, you know, a lot of people believe that Noah is just kind of a blitz type of linebacker. Uh, he is really going to fill in the hole and really uh, be one of those guys that he's going to get into the face and pressure quarterbacks. But other than that, he's just kind of so-so. So I think Noah Sewell is going to be uh, one of those prospects, third, fourth round pick, where if you're going to use him for blitz, he's your guy. But other than then, you kind of got to look elsewhere. So other linebackers to watch, Dorian Wilson out of Tulane. Uh, he was the captain for Tulane. Real top prospect for them. Uh, one of the better prospects they have had in recent years out of Tulane. So he's going to be a huge prospect to watch. Some, and like I mentioned before, some have him really high. Some have him really low. But I have the 24-year-old Diane Henley. He's a redshirt senior, a lot older, 6'2", 232. A lot of people say he is the best linebacker in this class, but I think he's going to be 24 when NFL starts, and do you really want to have your second contract at 28 years old? That's the only downside of him. It'll be very interesting to see what happens to him. And another guy I kind of like, I do like Ivan Pace Jr. a little bit, 6'2", 35. He's rangy. He is a guy that is always going to chase after the ball. Even if he's on the other side of the field and the play is going the other way, he is going to find a way to get into that tackle or almost make that tackle. Secondary. Now, this is kind of interesting. A lot of people at cornerbacks are kind of like hit and miss. This guy's one. No, this guy's one. But the consensus is that the number one corner in this class is Devon Witherspoon, six foot one eighty, uh, elite. He is an elite playmaker. Even though his physical, uh, you know, he's six foot one eighty. He may not be there yet, but he's definitely one of the better corners uh, besides Sauce Gardner coming out of the class. Don't know if I can see that coming out of Devin. But he's definitely one of those guys that, you know, pinpoint to watch because a lot of people have Devin in that top three range. Another guy they have a top in the top range is Christian Gonzalez, 6'2", 201. People say he is the total package. He's got the tools to be a really good player, but he's still raw. Which in college, college to the pros, you don't want to see raw talent. And when I mean raw, I mean all of his – uh, skills are not refined yet. He's still playing into his body or he's just not fully built yet as a player. But a lot of people say that that is what Christian Gonzalez is. But I think he still has a chance to be 
late de- you know, late first round, early second round pick. The next guy, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. I like him pretty well. He has a high IQ. Um, a lot of people say his physicality is really there, really a big leader in Penn State. And I definitely think Joey can be in that conversation of cornerback number one for some teams, and he'd be a really nice corner number two for mostly others. Now the guy a lot of people like, I don't understand why some of these guys, when you come to four or five, are very rangy. And a lot of people, some people like him, some people don't. But I like Cam Smith out of South Carolina. You know, he plays very physical. He is kind of a defined as a uh, coach on the like coach on the field where he knows where everything should be. You know, he's just not the uh, most athletic player on you know in the class as many people think. But he's a guy that he's going to give you one hundred percent. He is going to take in all of the knowledge that the defensive coaches are going to give him, and he's going to try to implement it the best way he can for South Carolina. And that's a guy I really enjoy seeing is a guy who may not be the best pure athlete, but a guy who's going to give 110 and really be that leader in the secondary. Another guy, Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. A lot of people raise him pretty high. A lot of people raise him – you know, second, third round kind of pick. But he he has boom or bust aspects from a lot of uh a lot of can't think of the word. But a lot of the people who have seen this stuff, Emmanuel think a lot of people think Emmanuel is going to be kind of that boom or bust prospect. He's got talent he's got the talent, but does he have the characteristics uh just from himself to really handle situations when things aren't going right? Is he going to go down and really think about, you know, a mistake he made or is he going to bounce back and really, you know, be better when their next drive comes around? Another guy, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, Eli Ricks out of Alabama and Keely Ringo out of Georgia are guys to watch for, uh, for uh, your other cornerbacks. So, now we go into our final part in safeties. Brian Branch. Uh, a lot of people think he is the best secondary player in this class. Very high floor. Uh, he has great skill that every NFL defense is going to really go after. Uh, I think he's going to be a top 15 prospect. I think everybody needs somebody in the secondary to be that real rangy guy. And that's what Brian Branch is. Next guy is Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M. Uh, again, one of those players where he is just around the ball consistently. He is going to make the tackle. He is going to be in your receiver running back's face. Uh, real run sport guy, you know, 6'3", 195, real big for a safety. So he is going to be a real rangy player. Again, kind of a late first-round guy, a lot of people believe. Jamie Robinson. Uh, excuse me, out of Florida State. Uh, a lot of people are kind of like iffy on him. Uh, he, you know, real nice tackler. He's very quick on the line of scrimmage. But his size at 5'11", when you talk about guys like Brian Branch at six foot, Antonio at 6'3", Jordan Battle at 6'1", he's a lot shorter. He plays shorter, but he's definitely 
uh, going to make an impact. Uh, real good uh, free safety where he can come in and be that run support guy. Next guy is Jair Brown at a Penn State. And then Jordan Battle at AM. You know, the second second guy to Brian Branch. They had a good secondary this year at Alabama, but their secondary sometimes got roasted by Tennessee, by LSU, even by Texas at times. So very, very eerie about these Bama secondary players, but I think it's going to be a very fun combine. I cannot wait to watch these guys and really have better notes on these guys. I do apologize for not having watching every single player that I have on my list, but I'm very excited to watch these guys. I'm very excited for the NFL draft and this offseason and team building. I absolutely love this stuff. So I'm very excited. So I'll throw it back to you guys. All right. Thank you for that. Christian, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break. When we come back, we'll dive into the rest of the sports world, some NBA stuff, some NHL, and maybe even a little bit of racing to close out the show, so stick around. And we're back from the ad break, guys. Uh, we'll start. We'll go back to the NBA. It's been a while since we've discussed the NBA, but with college uh, – or not college, NFL being over, we have a lot more – will uh free time to discuss other sports and we also had a noteworthy uh occurrence the other day the atlanta hawks after a couple years uh have decided to dismiss nate mcmillan as their head coach mcmillan took over a few years ago when the hawks were struggling under previous coach lloyd pierce mcmillan takes over and leads them to the conference finals actually and is uh as the interim coach at the time um yeah, they again makes the conference finals. They lose, um, but he, you know, orchestrated a big turnaround last year. Nah, not very good. This year, hovering around five hundred, he's getting a little up there in age at fifty eight. Um, and the Hawks decide, you know, we're gonna part ways. They had Joe Prenti, the interim coach, for a few days, and then they finalized a move to go get Quinn Snyder, who was. Last, obviously, with the um, Utah Jazz last year and just kind of all of a sudden just, you know, resigned after the season ended, after eight seasons with the Jazz. Again, not a horrible uh, career with the Jazz, uh, making the la- making six straight playoff appearances, but uh, I guess they, they, you know, mutually decided to part ways. Or not really mutual, it was Quinn Snyder himself who resigned as the head coach uh, of the team. So it looks like Utah... Probably would have brought him back. They won the division the last two years, although NBA division means next to nothing. But, again, losing the first round last year. Um, and Utah also, you know, they blew it up last offseason, trading away um, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and bringing in Will Hardy. But Quinn Snyder back in coaching less than a year after resigning in Utah. Takes over Atlanta Hawks team. You know, they're struggling right now. Um, you know, they're trying to get into at least the play-in to continue their season. We'll see how that goes. I like the hire a lot. Quinn Snyder, I think it was a hell of a coach. With the Jazz, I mean, you got Gobert and Mitchell working hand-in-hand and navigated some tough waters a few years ago, but he's still, he's a fine coach. He, I don't see this year's Hawks team doing much anyway. But he signed a five-year contract, so they believe in Snyder enough to give him five years. Um, 
with the Hawks. So uh, best of luck to Quinn Snyder. I think it's a good move by Atlanta. But also, I have no clue what direction Atlanta's trying to go in. At least not this year. But, you know, the, you have Trey Young. You have um, DeJounte Murray. So, you got the two cornerstones in the backcourt there. So, just, you know, and they still have Capella. So, I guess going for and John Collins. So, going for like, where are they going with this team? We'll find out. But I do think Snyder's a great coach. I think it's a good hire by the Atlanta Hawks, especially doing it midseason, too. Uh, Dalton, to you next, uh, reaction to the Hawks firing McMillan, hiring Quinn Snyder. I can agree there just because of what he done and what he did in the Western Conference. Um, and I think that, you know, they've, you know, they got good players on their team. So, um, this, this should be, this should be able to work out. And they've, they decided to, they've, we come to a, a good agreement uh, for a good amount of years. I believe it's more than it's more than four. Um, so that's pretty. It's pretty large sample size. Um, if you really, really, really think about it. Um, so we'll just we'll just have to have to see it goes. But I think there's real potential. All right, Christian. Anything you want to add about the um, the you know Atlanta Hawks firing? McMillan middle of the season and then going out and getting Quinn Snyder. Uh, thanks for McMillan. Um, a lot of people really gave him high praise a couple of years ago when he took over the team and got really hot in the series against the New York Knicks and got into the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, for Quinn, you know, he's a good coach. He really made Utah a uh, competitive team. You know, a lot of people thought Utah, when they had Donovan, had Rudy, that they could be NBA uh, champions. They were a one seed. You know, so they a lot of people thought they could make a move. But Quinn had to get out of there. It was rough situation, probably with, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff and Rudy and Donovan never getting along. So it was just very uh, hard situation. And now in Atlanta, where – you have one of the best young point guards in the league in Trey Young. You have potential to try and reignite John Collins and Sane in Atlanta or trade him for a viable asset. So Atlanta, you know, they're 31 and 31. Like you mentioned, trying to stay in that play in. Uh, I think they can. So they just got to stay focused right now. I mean, Quinn's only game lost a close one against Washington. So. He really has a lot of time to make up still. Um, doesn't have a very tough schedule. You know, coming in March, the only tough game is Boston. So, Atlanta can definitely make a move or two and, uh, you know, get – you know, they'll still be in the plane, I think. They can get into that 6C possibly, you know, with Brooklyn and Miami not doing so well. So, it, the, it looks hopeful for Atlanta. They're not going to win the NBA championship, but – they try and go into the second round and be competitive in it. I think it's very – the hopes for Atlanta are going to be very high. All right. Switching gears to uh, the player side of things, we had for the second time this year a player scoring 71 points in a ball game. Donovan Mitchell famously doing it back in December against Chicago. He scored 71. And Dame Lillard. Uh, against Houston last weekend, you know, he scores 71 points. 
uh, hitting 14 three-pointers, uh, going 22 for 38 from the field as he propelled the Trailblazers to a 131-114 victory. So I want to give you know props to Dame Lillard, hell of an accomplishment there. Um, you know, a Portland team that you know they have been struggling. Uh, they're you know just outside the plan right now, but you know a big win on uh, you know a spectacular shooting performance for Dame Lillard. Just a week, you know, come back from the All Star break. He won the three-point contest during the All-Star weekend. So, obviously, you know, him scoring 14 threes in a game, not super surprising there. But, nonetheless, still a hell of an accomplishment there. So, I want to give props to Damian Lillard for doing that. Dolan, anything you want to add to Damian Lillard having 71 points against the Rockets? Uh, he went off against a bad team. Um, I, I think... They going for more than fifty. That's that's quite the accomplishment. Um, and we've seen players go for go for more than fifty times. And you know, I think Dame's just one of the best scores in league history. Probably. I mean, if you think about the league today, or the league history in general, um, the way he's able to put the ball in the basket uh, and shoot from pretty much anywhere. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that's, you know, I think the only person that he can mirror would be uh, Steph Curry at this point. And uh, so I think, you know, he's trending towards the Hall of Fame, I would I would probably say. Uh, he just needs to win. He just needs to win that championship. I think if he can do that in Portland, I think he submitted himself uh, as being a Hall of Famer. Um, but he's definitely on the, on the track for sure. Um, continually, continually day, year in and year out, uh, proves to be the, the shining spot in Portland. And really, I think also, um, give credit to not only Dame, but Portland's, uh, Portland's ability to go out and get Chauncey Phillips to hire as a head coach. So you got a former point guard coaching a potentially Hall of Fame point guard. Um, so I can only see his Dame's uh, stock arise from here on out um, as if it wasn't high already to begin with. All right, thank you, Dolan, for that. I, I do want to correct myself. I think I might have said 14 threes. It was 13 threes. Uh, I do apologize for that, but yeah, 13 threes is good for second most all time in NBA history, tying Levine and Curry, just shy of Clay Thompson's 14 threes back in 2018 that he had. Christian, I'll go to you next. Your uh, thoughts, reaction to Damian Lillard dropping 71 points against the Trailblazers, or against the Rockets, excuse me. Um. It's awesome for Dame. Obviously, you know, he's one of the greatest uh, basketball talents we have seen in a very long time. But, like, I respect Dame for being like, oh, I'm trailblazer at heart. I'll never leave and all this stuff. Like, if Dame wants to be remembered as, like, a really good scorer, but his team can never be anything, like, that's him. You know, he's got to rest with that. Like, the team's worse than the L.A. Lakers. And no one here believes L.A. is really going to make a run 
for the championship. I'm just like I'm just saying, LeBron, him being hurt, AD being hurt again. This team is not built to be a really good team, and Portland isn't worse. Isn't a worse spot with that. They're not getting any better. Nobody is coming into play with Dame. The best player they had with Dame is CJ McCollum. He's in New Orleans now. Like, Dame is, he has to run the show, and it's okay. They're fine. They're not going to be a championship contender anymore. Unless Dame brings somebody, anybody over there, Damian Lillard is going to be, he'll drop 50, 60, 70 a night because no one can barely score 20 a night. So, you know, it's awesome for Dame, but at the same time, it's like, wow, you can score a lot of points, but you can't win anything. So, it's sad, but true. I feel bad for Dame. Awesome for, you know, scoring 71 points. You know, it's great, but at the same time, you know, everyone gets, you know, talked about the championship rings. They don't talk about, oh, remember when he dropped 71 against the Houston Rockets? Not a lot of people are going to say that. They're like, oh, wow, remember when Dame won the chip? That's what people are going to care about, so. Yep. On to another NBA story. Uh, you know, rising star, third-year uh, player, LaMelo Ball. Uh, unfortunately, he's out. The season suffered a gruesome injury, um, you know, fracturing his ankle and, you know, against the Detroit Pistons the other night. And LaMelo Ball ruled to be out for the rest of the season. A very unfortunate end to the year for Ball. Uh, He's he's having a fine season, 23.3 points, uh, you know, swinging up. Also only playing 36 games, not... Uh, very many games he's played. It's you know tough blow. Charlotte, one of the worst teams in the league anyway, so it's not like that they're going to be hurting that much with the loss of Lamelo Ball because the season was going nowhere. Um, unfortunately, but I mean, if you're you are a Charlotte fan, you know the one reason you would tune into a game was to see Lamelo Ball and see what he could do, and unfortunately, you just don't have that anymore. Due to the injuries, I mean, I guess you want to watch Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward uh, and Kelly Oubre. If you watch those guys, have I mean, hey, shoot yourself. Lamelo Ball is a he's a fun player to watch for sure. It's a tough blow for the Hornets. Obviously, rest up, uh, fracture ankle. I'm not sure the exact timetable for return. Just know he will not play again this year. So, you know, speed recovery. Can't wait to watch. See what Lamelo does next year if he comes back healthy there. Um, don't anything you want to add about LaMelo Ball suffering an injury and being ruled out for the rest of the season? Uh, it's quite unfortunate as I believe the, the Hornets need him very badly. Um, I mean, they're, I think they're already a bad team this year, but, um, yeah, they, they need LaMelo. Um, it's, uh, you know, I guess the second what you've already, what you've already said. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got. All right. Uh, Christian, anything you want to add about LaMelo Ball's injury? Uh, nothing much besides, you know, he's a rising star in the NBA and kind of like Dame, you know, Charlotte's not the best team where everyone wants to come play with you. 
second worst team in the uh, in the East, and fourth worst team in the entire NBA at twenty and forty four. They are just a crapshoot right now, and the fact you know he's twenty three points a game and that's awesome, but you know Terry and Kelly Oubre and PJ like. And even Gordon Hayward, I forgot he was still on the team. Like, He's always been here. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just kind of sad how it's kind of like, you know, yeah, he's a great player, and, it, you know, it sucks that he hurt and everything, but it's Charlotte. Nobody cares. It's not like Charlotte was in the race for the play-in or was in the conversation of a good team. They're the second-worst team in the East. Calm down. Like, it sucks. He's going to get time off, see what Charlotte does uh, in free agency in the draft. But at the same time, it's Charlotte. Come on now. Yeah. Uh, that, so that's going to do it for NBA. Uh, I do want to briefly mention some NHL stuff that went down. Um, NHL trade deadline officially ending to, on Friday at 3 p.m. There's been some big trades in the NHL I do want to te- uh, talk about just briefly. Uh, Patrick Kane, longtime Chicago Blackhawks player, uh, winning three championships in the early 2010s. With them has been traded to the New York Rangers. I mean, Blackhawks having a rough year and looking to just kind of, you know, do right by their franchise star, uh, get rid of him, try to acquire some assets. And yeah, it's an unfortunate end because – Kane is going to be a Blackhawks legend. He always will be. But unfortunately, you know, his time there is coming to an end. They shipped him to New York. Uh, the Rangers, you know, having a pretty good year right now at 35-17-9. and 79 total points right now. They're in the playoffs, hoping that he can get one last chance at a, you know, a good Stanley Cup run before his career is over. Um, like I said, the Blackhawks, they're just pitiful right now. 47 points. Uh third worst in or tied for second worst in the league uh also jonathan quick another goalie uh not another goalie he's a goalie that was with the la kings and you know the kings are having a really good year i'm not sure how many games again i don't watch many kings games uh but jonathan uh quick was the goalie when they won the cup they won a couple of cups early 2010s kings and blackhawks had a bit of a rivalry uh, back in the day, maybe they still do, but at least back in the day, they were, um, you know, they were going back and forth winning those cups together or against each other. So definitely a, a franchise legend. It's a shame that, you know, his time in LA is coming to an end. He's going to Columbus. Um, we'll see what he does with the Blue Jackets because the Kings, like I said, they were the first in the division. Uh, but I guess he kind of fell out of the starting spot for the most part. So he's going to Columbus, which Columbus is actually one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, they actually are the worst team with 46 total points. So he went from one of the better teams to the one of the worst teams, uh, a legend in LA bet, you know, all good things come to an end apparently. And they were able to acquire some assets in return for a pending free agent. And then Barry Trotz, former, uh, Washington Capitals manager or head coach, excuse me, uh, using basal terms there. Barry Trotz used to be with the uh, cap. He won the Stanley Cup with the Capitals. Then contract disputes resigned after the Stanley Cup run. 
took over the Islanders, was there for four years, missed the playoffs last year, got fired. Uh, again, just because I'm fairly new to hockey, I was unaware of this. He was the first ever head coach in Nashville Predators history, uh, and it is now going to become the Predators GM when uh, David Poile retires uh, later this year. July 1st, Barry Trust, the first ever head coach in Predators franchise history, will become just the second GM in their franchise history. A team, you know, they've had some success. They went to the Stanley Cup final um, once in their franchise, looking to get back there, making some history there. So we'll see what they do going forward. But I just want to throw that in there uh, real quick. Uh, so to Dalton, uh, we were going to do this last week, but we had some technical difficulties. Uh, but racing with Dalton, it's back. So, Dalton, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, this lovely segment is back. And I know that the people who listen to this podcast really miss it. But no need to fear. Racing is here. Um, I am awful when it comes to rhyming. That was, I'm never saying that ever again. Um, but yes, it is here. And uh, we're to start with the NASCAR Cup Series because that has already started, actually. Um, we are two, excuse me, three races in. Uh, we started with the clash at the Coliseum, the Los Angeles Coliseum, on February 5th, uh, in which Martin Truex Jr. W finishing first, followed by Austin Dillon and my favorite racer, Kyle Busch, in third. Um, Alex Bowman in fourth, and Kyle Larson in fifth. Um, nothing to, nothing more to say, to, uh, to say here on that race, except it's by far the shortest course, um, smallest course, actually. Um, where they just go round and round and round inside the Memorial Coliseum. So you can imagine a bunch of stock cars uh, squeeze their way to a top five finish. Anyway, moving on to the most anticipated race of the entire year, the Daytona 500. If you ever have a chance to go to Daytona, go to the 500. Um, a Daytona International Speedway. Why not? I mean, it's it's the Monaco Grand Prix of NASCAR, essentially. It's the one that everybody wants to go to at least once in their lifetime. Um, now this one was pretty interesting. It's a super speedway, so naturally, that's go very very large course. Um. And which also means lots of wrecks and lots of cautions. If my memory serves me correctly, there was about at least nine cautions throughout the entire race, including two overtimes. So if you're not familiar with the NASCAR rules, if it gets to, I think, two or three laps remaining and we have to go to a caution, there is an overtime, which that is another two laps. So you can imagine with two overtimes, it was just, all right, come on, let's see the ending. Okay, now if they didn't have to go caution, then it would have been completely over. You just go, why didn't, that's it. That's that's pretty much it. 
Um, Ricky Stenhouse was able to win this game or win this race. Excuse me. He only led 10 laps for the entire race. Joey Logano, who's actually one of the favorites to win this race before it started, came in second. Christopher Bell followed by Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher in fourth and Alex Bowman in fifth. So you're looking at Alex Bowman in back-to-back races with top five finishing. You'd have to think that he's sitting pretty well up in the standings. Um, This past weekend, February 26th, was the Fontana race uh, cup series at Fontana in California. So we've got two California races in the span of a month, um, which if this we're trying, I think they're trying to expand. Um, they should try to get some more races in some other states, but I think it's a good idea. The entertainment capital of the world, uh, being some great entertainment. Um, my favorite racer, Kyle Bush, came in first in this particular race, uh, followed by Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, and Kevin Harvick in his last NASCAR season. Uh, rounded out the top five. Um, coming up March 5th, we are heading to Vegas. Vegas, baby, as uh, the racers will race at 2.30 p.m. Central, 3.30 Eastern, um, 1.30 Mountain, 12.30 Pacific, if my time is right. Um, yeah, March 5th. NASCAR Cup Series at Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Vegas Motor Speedway, um, which, personally, I hope Kyle Busch won because he's a Vegas kid. He was born and raised in Vegas, and I feel like it would be good for him to win this race, especially for his brother, because his brother, Kurt, is not in the Cup Series this year due to an injury that he sustained. He sustained last year and could be very detrimental to his health if he continued racing. So he is no longer with Joe Gibbs Racing. He is retired. Um, moving on to the standings, uh, Ross Chastain is your leader with 92, Joey Logano at number two with 91, Alex Bowman with 80 at the third spot, Kevin Harvick. Uh, in fourth place with 79 points. And Daniel Suarez, the lone Mexican Latino um, racer in Mexican uh, – uh, excuse me, gosh, I can't speak. Uh, the lone Latino racer in uh, the NASCAR Cup Series, Daniel Suarez, is rounding top five with 77 points. Um, just looking at it currently, um, it, there are no, there are no to- Toyotas in the top five. Okay. You're looking at Ross Chastain drives a Chevy. Joey Logano's a Ford. Alex Bowman is a Chevy, if I'm not mistaken. Kevin Harvick is definitely a Ford. Uh, and then Daniel Suarez, I believe is also a Ford. Again, I'm not going to check that because quite frankly, I don't care. I just wanted to say it. Um, other notables, you have Denny Hamlin, who is by far the one of the best uh, Toyota drivers, uh, is in the ninth, uh, tied with Brad Keselowski um, at 64 points. Kyle Busch is in eighth. 
Um, new racers this year, we have Ty Gibbs, who is the grandson of legendary NFL head coach Joe Gibbs with Joe Racing. Uh, he is taking over the 54 uh, for Toyota or for Joe Gibbs uh, this season. So Ty Gibbs, keep your eye on him. He was really, really good in the Xfinity series last year. One of the most, one of the, one of the guys who are up and coming, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's about 20 years old, roughly. He's young, younger than us. Um, and really doing some damage. Uh, he's at 17th right now, but I think he is somebody could definitely take this cup series by um yeah we'll just have to see how this goes moving on uh to the formula one circuit we've got a new season starting um on what you know it march 5th um we've got the golf air bahrain grand prix you're going to have to excuse my pronunciation. It's insecure. Probably butchered that one as well. But regardless, 9 o'clock in the morning, Central, 10 o'clock Eastern. If you ever want to watch this race or if you're ever up, I recommend it. Um, you can definitely catch it on ESPN. Um, no need to worry. Uh, Formula One cares about their television rights and making money so espn is going to be televising all of the races and you won't have to go illegally to find a formula one race um so i cannot wait to see what happens this season with the uh formula one racers if i had to make a pre-season prediction i would think that red bull is going to repeat as constructor uh, champions and then Max Verstappen winning the drivers championship again. Um, he is uh, far and away uh, the best driver. There was some controversy last season regarding engine and if they were, if Red Bull was trying to literally get a leg up uh, or controversy with them and between them and Ferrari. And, I don't know. Uh, but I feel like Regardless, this is going to be a very, very interesting part. Uh, side note, Sebastian Vettel, who raced with Aston Martin, if I'm not mistaken, last season, has since retired. Um, but other than that, we have seven-time champion Lewis Hamilton. Um, still have Sergio Perez, um, Valtteri Bottas, Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, uh, George Russell, Mr. Consistency, Lando Norris, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and actually, we have, we also have one American on um, the uh, um, actually driving this year. Uh, if you don't mind, let me go ahead and get his name real quick, and I'm just going to keep on talking until I get his name, um, which is, I think is very, very good to see. Logan Sargent um, is going to be the lone American driver this year. Um, he is racing with Williams. 
Um, so keep your eye out on Logan Sargent as he represents the U.S. of A. in the Formula One. So that is all I got for you um, as that is probably the gosh, how do I say this? It's probably the most fun I've ever had with a racing segment uh, since its inception. So back to you, Spitzy. All right. For that. I appreciate everything that you do with all your knowledge about the racing world that I just lack, uh, for lack of a better word, no pun intended there. Uh, but that will conclude this week's episode. Glad to be back after, um, you know, an ex- uh, but glad to be back talking with about the things we love, and that is sports. So, yeah, thanks again for listening to another episode of Out of Bounce. As always, I'm Spencer Brown. And I'm Christian Ernst. And don't be just... We got to have the racing segment this week. Uh, yeah. So, for Dalton Bishop, thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.